Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I'm excited to be joined today by Cad Lay, the creator and uh, writer and artist of Thirsty Mermaids, a new graphic novel that will be coming out from Gallery 13, as well as other works you might be familiar with, like graphic novel Snapdragon, which came out last year in 2020, uh, ongoing writer of longtime series Lumberjanes, as well as the webcomic Super Cakes, and of course, other works as well. Kat, thanks so much for joining. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing all right. Weather's starting to get a little nicer, so much better. Glad to hear it. Are you in the uh, Chicagoland area still? I, I saw you're a Chicago-based artist, and that's where I'm located as well. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been nice to see the sun come out and actually get to go outside a bit. I think that has been a much-needed treat for for most of us. Um, so I'm curious, with Thirsty Mermaids, this, this graphic novel that you've got for Gallery 13, um, right up front, uh, we'll talk a bit about the work and certainly what it is. Um, I think the title is pretty apt, right? It is, it's literally about thirsty mermaids. <laughs> it's about <laughs> a pod, uh, a group of three women mermaids who, um, they just really want some alcohol and they concoct a spell to get some and, uh, it gives them legs a la Ariel and little mermaid. But of course the spell goes awry and they are trapped on land and, and hijinks ensue. Right. And that's, that's more or less the framing of the story. Um, did you write color and letter everything? Like is every piece of this your work, I guess? Yep. Yep. Every, every bit. Okay. That's a ton. How, how much, um, does that take you? Like it, so Snapdragon came out in 2020. Here's Thirsty Mermaids this year. How long does it take you to kind of put together that amount of work and to really sink into, you know, a new book like this? It has taken me about, uh, Snapdragon was shorter than Thirsty Mermaids. It took me about a year, I would say. Mm -hmm. And, uh, since Thirsty Mermaids ran a bit longer than I had originally thought it would, uh, it, it took me, uh, something, something like maybe a year and, and, and three months or something. I, uh, sure. cause I can do about a page a day on average, but that doesn't always factor in writing, um, or certain pages being a little bit more, uh, a little bit more work than others. Yeah. But yeah, it took me over a year to do Thirsty Mermaids. Sure. What, um, so coming off of Snapdragon, which was, which, you know, received a lot of accolades and, and rightly so it's a very, very good work. It's, um, it's geared younger, I suppose, in the sense of the protagonist just being a younger person than in Thirsty Mermaids. We have more, uh, adult characters. Um, even though I think thematically there's a lot of, a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities in terms of, of the bonds of friendship and just like this, um, like the the sense of community that you bring to your work. Um, what are the creative differences that you felt like going from that work to this one? I'm sure it's obviously it's not your first works by any measure. There's been this progression throughout your career, but like for Thirsty Mermaids, what for you was, what were the things you wanted to try or sort of the, the creative differences that you felt working on this book? Sure. So I usually don't write a story with an audience in mind. Um, it so happens that a lot of the work that I have done up until now has been for an all ages or a middle grade crowd. Those, those tend to be the stories that I, I like to write, but with Thirsty Mermaid yeah. specifically for very obvious reasons, there was no way to age that one down. So it had to be, um, it had to be for an older audience and it was, uh, it was kind of freeing to be able to, um, be a little bit more open with these characters. I imagine if uh, I was doing a similar story with mermaids for for a younger audience, I wouldn't, you know, for example, be able to show 
these characters topless in their natural in right. their natural yeah. settings, which is how they don't they don't wear clothes to cover up necessarily. They wear clothes for you know decoration, other purposes, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. I wanted to just have as part of my world building. Obviously, the alcohol and uh, the cursing was nice to be able to uh, use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was yeah, it was, it was it was a little fun to do uh, an aged up story after after working a lot on all ages media. Sure, sure. No, I can see that. Yeah, and I think Thirsty Mermaids leans into that um, pretty wholly. It was so I, I actually went backwards. So like it was the first work of yours that I read, and then I went back and had read everything else, including catching up on Lumberjanes, which had been long overdue, Ooh, and reading Snapdragon and all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm not fully caught up, but I'm close. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so it was fun to see like, yeah, that more aged up version and that style. Cause I, I think it's a humor that definitely in Thirsty Mermaids comes very naturally. Um, it definitely feels, it, it, your voice doesn't feel like you're, it, it feels freed, I guess, in, in a way that maybe it was from some of the restraints that you have in, in other works. Um, what for you was like the, in terms of the hook of, you know, these mermaids, right. And that being their pod and this spell and that being kind of the magical, element of it what for you was the hook of like mermaids as protagonists um because i know in your lumberjane series too like kind of when you come on as writer like there's a mermaid's arc like is that just coincidence or is that something that's always been uh part of your background that was actually a coincidence yeah i um i'm not particularly drawn to mermaids but there's something about the that classic story of the little mermaid um coming onto land and and uh and getting legs and it's 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 a really classic sort of story that everyone's familiar with and i like to uh play with things like that um kind of turn expectations on their head a bit which was why this idea originally just seemed so fun to do uh to do a story based off of something that a lot of people especially in my generation who grew up with the little mermaid are so familiar with but for an older audience and a more, just a more, um, some more world building for mermaids in particular in their society and showing why they might come to land or what they would find when they came to land. And so that, that was the, the big, big draw. Uh, when I, when I first thought of the, of the story, I thought I was, I was going to do a short comic. I always think I'm going to do a short comic and then I end up turning it into a longer story. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I how I started with that. You mentioned earlier that it went a bit longer than you anticipated. Um, so I, I assume you had some freedom in terms of page count and whatnot. Uh, what was it about this story that kind of got longer than expected? Like, what at what point in the process are you like, oh, I like I have so much more story to tell? And then I guess too, like, how do you cut yourself off? Like, how do you know when you actually have an ending to get to? Yeah, it. Um... There is a real difference in writing and drawing a graphic novel and obviously drawing or, or writing, I should say, a 22-page monthly series like with Lumberjanes. So with Lumberjanes, I very specifically have my 22 pages a month and I have my four issues to make a story arc. I have the, this, this, um, these, these boundaries and it can be really freeing to work within well, yeah, uh, freeing to work within the boundaries because you have to sometimes get really creative. But with graphic novels, the page count just needs to be, um, I think it's a, a multiple of 
of uh, 14 or something just because of the way printing mm. works. So yeah. if I'm going to add an extra page to a page count, then I need to add 13 extra pages. So I decided to expand it so that certain scenes could uh, breathe a little bit better and not have my panels packed in quite so tight, which I tend to do with, with uh, my work to fit as much story in as I can, but with graphic yeah. novels, I can, I can let the, the scenes breathe a little bit more, which I really uh, like to be able to do. And is one of the, one of the plus sides of working in that medium is that you can, uh, you can let certain scenes just take up more pages. Um, so that's, that's why I ended up choosing to lengthen Thirsty Mermaids a bit more. So I could really use the medium. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, as, as someone who's had success kind of in both sides of the coin in terms of ongoing comics versus graphic novels, not that it's it's not really a versus, but when you're <laughs> totally obsessed with comics, it's like they feel like different things, even though they're they're very much of a piece. Um, what kind of lessons have you learned or, or sort of things that you picked up doing Lumberjanes and doing them on a, a 22 page monthly cadence uh, that you bring now to your graphic novel work? Like, is there... Is there something that that experience, that kind of grind of monthly comics that you've translated into these these sort of you know feature film esque like graphic novels? Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, there's a lot to be said for just doing the uh, doing something consistently for years that is going to force you sometimes to to learn and adapt uh it's not the kind of thing that i can take a long break from doing to to um to, to think about i have i have deadlines and they're pretty you know they're um they're they're like clockwork which can can be a really like valuable way to grow and learn how to uh, you know, meet, meet a deadline and get your work done, which has been really helpful in determining how long I would need to work on a graphic novel, or, um, I have a better sense of how long it's going to take me to, to come up with something. And I just know that if I give myself a deadline that I theoretically can meet it. So, <laughs> Uh, pacing the work that I have for a graphic novel was was probably very um, it, it, I was able to do it because I had been working on lumberjanes for so long. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Is it is it weird now? So like lumberjanes had you know the big end finale came out at the end of 2020. Is it weird this year not having that, uh, that ongoing? Like, is it a very strange, is it like, there's this hole, like, do you ever, do you ever just start writing an issue and you're like, wait, <laughs> I don't actually have that. Uh, it, it was very strange to not have that, that monthly deadline anymore to work on. Uh, it was certainly something that I, I think I wrote that series for about six years yeah. by the end of it. And the last, or the penultimate arc, I should say, I also got to draw. So I had a lot of work right at the end, um, and it was it was very satisfying to be able to draw an arc. It felt it was something that I'd been wanting to do since I started writing, and um, and I finally got to do it, which felt like a very uh, a, a good a good cap for me, mm. and it 
it, it was it was strange at first not writing it anymore. Um, yeah, but it uh, it did it did give me more time to focus on on the, the graphic novel that I was finishing up at the time, which was Thirsty Mermaids. So sure, sure. Yeah, both those projects ended, and it was is just like. Whew, whiplash almost from lack of lack of things that I needed to do suddenly sure sure what kind of like what kind of hobbies or activities like how do you when you have that much going on as a creator I know that gets uh it can be overwhelming right and a lot of the comic creators I talk to like it's I think a lot of fans don't realize how much of a grind it is you know like just to like to get these things done like it's it's so much day-to-day like the weekends blur into the weekdays all that um what kind of things do you do to like keep yourself sane like like for fun uh, probably my main hobby right now at this point is, um, bicycling. I like to go on really long bike rides and, uh, go bike packing some weekends, just ride, ride my bike far, far as I can go and camp. Nice. Uh, I'm pretty into that. And I also, I volunteer with a group that leads bikepacking weekends. So oh. that'll be starting up in the spring, which I'm super looking forward to. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Very cool. Good deal. Um, so one thing I, I really enjoy about your work is that there's an earnest kind of wholeheartedness to the work. Um, I think it's, it's very infectious. I, I found this in Snapdragon, definitely in Thirsty Mermaids. Um, do you ever like, do you have a hard time with or, or worry about putting too much of yourself out there? Like it feels very, it's very emotional. Like I, I have to say, like even reading Snapdragon, there's a part of me as I'm reading it that is like on edge and I'm like almost mad because I know it's going to make me sad <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm concerned because i'm like if this is going to make me feel things you can feel it you can feel that tug and pull in every sort of piece of the work um h- how is that something that you've i guess become good at and become comfortable sort of putting onto the page well i'm so glad that you were angered by your emotions that <laughs> i feel like that's a that's a goal i didn't know that i had yeah uh-huh. yeah it says more about me certainly <laughs> i think i I, I, I think those are the kinds of stories that I really like. I, I love when a story can can make me feel feel things and cry. I mean, I love mm-hmm. stories like that. So I am trying to create those stories myself for sure. It's gratifying to know that that I have succeeded. It doesn't it doesn't feel um, too raw to me because I'm not, and any any of myself that I'm putting on the page, people probably wouldn't necessarily recognize. So that feels mm-hmm. pretty uh, freeing. Uh, I I always have admired people that can write autobiographical comics or journal comics or anything like that because I always I always find those terrifying to to contemplate making. And uh, it's 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 not for me the way that it uh, it's just uh, yeah not not what I want to do. I prefer the uh, fantasy fiction stories, um, and then and anything that I'm working out for myself, you wouldn't necessarily know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. No, I get that. Uh, so, like the English major in me definitely loves you know your penchant for magical realism um, in your graphic novels. I, I think it's very fun. It's often like very literal in terms of like yeah, there's magic and there's spells and and that kind of like in Thirsty Mermaids, we have a character Ease um, who is I guess 
like a, a self-described sea witch. Like I almost, I feel like that's like a pejorative I shouldn't be saying, but like that's how she describes herself. And <laughs> she has magic, right? And she can do the spell that that gets them legs and, and on land. And, and like I said, that whole story pursues from there. Um, it occurs to me even reading like Super Cakes, your work there, like that's basically what superhero comics are in a lot of ways is like this very magical fantasy world, right? That that blends with our own. Uh, what are your own like kind of literary or comics inspirations that it, like what gets you to that point of wanting to tell those sorts of stories? I, I've always liked fantasy as a genre a lot. It's probably my favorite. I, I especially like the uh, more magical realism stories, the stories where something exists in a world, in, in, in our world, in a world that we recognize instantly as our own, but there's something, there's something amiss, there's something magical going on that that's always appealed to me. It was always something that I wish existed. So uh, making stories where a character, you know, like, like Snap doesn't believe in magic, and then she suddenly finds out that it's real. It's mm-hmm. like a wish fulfillment fantasy that that I would have had at her age. <laughs> I think there's there's something of that that appeals to me a lot. Um, that being said, my f- probably very favorite author, who I I, um, I admire everything that he does, is uh, Sir Terry Pratchett, who d- is most well known for a, a fantasy series based in a world that is, you know, uh, uh, it's a high fantasy, right? So it's uh, it's his own world that he created, but it's just the way that he's able to use that world to talk about our own world is so masterful and something mm. that I really admire in uh, in him as a writer. Sure. Sure. No, I can definitely see that. And, and I think too, like I, I wouldn't have picked up on it, but definitely in some of your sense of humor and the jokes that are in Thirsty Mermaids, it's, it's almost, it's this unassuming sense of humor. Like it's, it take, it took me by surprise a number of times where I was like laughing out loud at Thirsty Mermaids. There's some really good jokes and gags in there. And just these characters that are so endearing. Um, I think as we get to know them, like this world is, it, it definitely won me over as we kept going, just like how sweet and how kind they are to one another is, uh, is incredible. It's, it's extremely appealing to read. Um, there's a, you know, there's definitely a theme throughout your works of community of bonds of friendship. Um, it, whether it's romantic or otherwise, you know, often it's not, um, is that, I guess, I don't know. On one hand, I almost want to ask you, like, how did you get such amazing friends? Like, how do you understand friendship so well? <laughs> but, but I guess, too, it's like, is that is it like an idealized version of friendship? Or is this like kind of you being like, this is something that I have, this community, and I want to show people what this like in comics? Like, how do, how do you manifest that in your books? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I suppose there there is a, an aspect of it that is certainly idealized. Um, the the kinds of friendships that people tend to have in my stories are the kind of just I, I, I love a good wholesome friendship, even when obviously they still have uh, issues with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am drawn to that kind of media myself. I prefer the kind of humor that isn't isn't the mean spirited sort of humor, the sort of humor that relies on awkward interactions that just makes me feel uncomfortable. And I prefer uh, a kind of humor that can come from like a, a kinder place, yeah. I suppose. Um, but yeah, I do, I do love writing about 
uh, found family is just one of my favorite tropes. And that, and that tends to end up being a lot of stories about friendships, about people that aren't uh, blood related, but would, would do anything for one another. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely works uh, quite effectively in Thirsty Mermaids. You know, this, this group that I guess on paper don't make sense together and we kind of learn more reasons about their culture of why that is but then obviously as a unit you know they're extremely strong it, it was it was interesting too seeing the this group of mermaids um describe themselves as like their pod because like that's terminology that has become increasingly prevalent in like this pandemic that we've all been living through where it's like you kind of you have your pod and it's like that it means different things to different people but it's also this thing of like who do you trust in your community to spend your time with you know like I, on a a cultural level like that is something that probably we understand better than i don't know at any point in my it, life <laughs> because otherwise you're just going out and seeing everyone all the time and now it's very limited um in terms of comics like what is the stuff that um like you want to try that you haven't yet like are there things that you like have coming up that you're that are new or different for you or are there sort of avenues that you want to tap into that you haven't before for sure yeah um I am working on a couple different pitches right now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which pitch I'm going to go with necessarily, but every time I work on a story, it's a story that I, I really want to do for whatever reason. Um, I would really like to uh, draw a story with a main character who is deaf or hard of hearing. Mm. I would... Uh, I would really like to do something, something um, with a little bit more of a of a mystery plot. I've been been thinking of uh, a few different things, and then I also I always have ideas for all ages stories because I do love that genre. I'm a sucker for just a good, a, a fun all ages fantasy series. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like everything that I want to do, I will eventually get to. It just is a question of the order in which I, I do them. Sure, sure. No, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you know a, a focus on a, a deaf character, which is something we don't see a ton of in comics historically. And, and I, I love how naturally diverse your comics are. This like extraordinarily representative vision and versions of like of all walks of life, sexual orientation, gender, body shapes, a, a lot more. Um, can you talk a bit about like why this is important to you as a creator and what kind of feedback you've gotten from readers uh, throughout your career? Yeah, it's uh, diversity in stories is extremely important to me as uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a queer person and my, the world that I live in is very much a diverse world of of sexuality and also body types and races. And that's the kind of world that I want to see represented because it's, it's a world that exists, but is, uh, underrepresented. Um, and it's also just so much more interesting to, to read a story that has diverse characters. I think, um, mm -hmm. just from a visual standpoint, I, I, make an effort not to have too many characters have very similar body types. I avoid it entirely if I can. Yeah. Like unless there's some reason like they're 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 um related or something. I I try to make people look very different because that's more interesting to me as an artist. 
and it's 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 just more reflective of of the world yeah no i would agree and it, and it shows in this work i mean so in thirsty mermaids too kind of tangentially related um the the core characters like you said like they're frequently topless and they don't wear clothes it's not a part of their culture and i think one thing i'm curious about is in thirsty mermaids like it's it's never sexualized it's never um like done for like titillation or something which i feel like comics has a reputation obviously in a lot of spheres certainly in superhero <laughs> comics for that being a problem was that you know i i imagine that's intentional on your end how do you how do you pull that off i guess like how do you have like naked women on the page all the time and not have it be a sexualized thing yeah that was that was an aspect of the story that was really important to me when i was first uh working on it my my agent wasn't sure if i would be able to keep keep the nudity in mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we were able to because that to me felt like part of the story and felt like part of their culture and also something um, that I care about the desexualization of just women's bodies in general is uh, something that I feel strongly about it mm-hmm. it affects uh, it affects a lot of of people and I mean to the first thing that comes to mind is just women breastfeeding their babies in public and people having an issue with that and the inherent sure. joke that that is because, you know, one, one could say that that's what they're for, you know, breasts are <laughs> for feeding babies. Right. One could say, and uh, the fact that, that they're sexualized is, is a societal issue. And I, I do think that, uh, women and and be folks that have breasts should be able to be be topless when when they're comfortable with it. I think that would be uh, well. I would you know prefer that. I think it would be nice, like at the beach, you know, just wherever when it's really sure. hot, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it wasn't really a big deal to write that into the story. I uh, went into it not sure if I was going to have any romance. And not sure if I was going to address the topic of sex. And when I was working on it, it just didn't naturally come into the story at any point. And I didn't feel any kind of um, uh, pressure or I didn't feel like there was any need to add it into the story. Um, I ended up kind of making the main characters all seem a little ace. Um, mm-hmm. asexual uh, they might not necessarily be that but it just the way that I was crafting the story they I, I didn't feel the need to to uh, to address the topic of sex yeah yeah no I I, th- I think it benefits for it because I, I did wonder um, especially there's a point in the in the graphic novel where um, peach the one of the characters learns basically like there's this quest to get booze continues right throughout the book and she's learning that like oh if i like talk to men right like i could maybe get a drink and there's someone who kind of takes her under her wing and and figures out how to do this and i was like okay like this like in the wrong hands that could have gotten very uncomfortable and instead it's played really just as like kind of a fun societal like cultural thing where she gets booze out of it and it, it benefits her and it's then there's nothing more to it than that and frankly i appreciated that because that's within this story that's kind of all it needed (laughs) i guess you know and i think too at the same time you're also like 
you're very much and you're very intentionally avoiding that little mermaid trope of who, who here is going to find love, who here is going to find, you know, the, a, a significant other or a partner. And it's not that kind of story. Right. And it's, it's repeatedly telling us it's not that kind of story. Um, so I, I thought, you know, obviously I had very different perspectives coming to it, but I, I thought it, it worked for me taking that out of it. Um, I thought it was successful in that regard. Thank you. Yeah. Um, good deal. So uh, Thirsty Mermaids, I recommend people check out. Uh, it's via Gallery 13. Um, I don't actually have a release date in front of me. We'll definitely get it in the show notes uh, and links to where people can find all of your stuff as well. Is there anything else uh, that you want to plug in terms of work that you have uh, recently released that's coming uh, or just where people should find you? Um, no, nothing, nothing to, uh, talk about in terms of release at the moment. Uh, if people want to follow me, the best places are, uh, Twitter and Tumblr still, still on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> I just Can't like it. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those, those are the best, uh, best places to follow me at. If you want to, uh, keep up to date with my work. Cool. What, uh, what do you like to listen to when you're writing and drawing? What kind of music you listen to these days? Uh, when I'm writing, I like to listen to epic sound, uh, or, um, epic film scores, soundtracks mm -hmm. of things. And then when I'm drawing, I usually binge podcasts. I really love, uh, uh, fictional horror might be my mm. favorite podcast genre. Nice. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. What, uh, do you have time to read other comics or, or even just books? Like, do you have any recommendations for the, the readers out there stuff you've enjoyed recently? Uh, let me think I need to look at my shelf. Uh, I've been reading a lot of Dungeon Meshy recently. I can't recommend that one any higher. It's a, a manga, very okay. uh, D and D inspired manga. That's great. Um, I, I recommend just about anything coming out of first second. There's a reason yeah. I pitched them first. <laughs> I, I love everything coming out of there. Like, um, most, I mean, it came out last year or uh, a couple years ago, but Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me as one of my favorites that's come out of yeah. there recently. Yeah. Uh, it's an incredible looking, uh, just the colors and the use of like pink in that is so, so incredible. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Rosemary great Valero O'Connell, one of my favorite comic artists. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing work. Um, Cool. So Kat, it was a, a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you hopping on. I definitely recommend people check out Thirsty Mermaids. We'll include again, links here in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, thanks so much for joining and, uh, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you.